Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the episode seven of the Two Pad Stack podcast in partnership with Primetime Productions. I'm your host, Aaron Ace Chisling. Alongside me is Burge the goalie. How's it going, Burge? Ah, not too bad. It's been a great weekend out here in New Hampshire, weather-wise. Hope you got out to get to uh, enjoy it. In New Hampshire? You were up in my neck of the woods, eh? I live in New Hampshire. You know this. Oh, that's right. It it counts. I'm so used to you being in Massachusetts. Massachusetts you're, North. You're basically on. You're 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 a masshole as far as I'm concerned. I was born in Masshole, so I might as well live up to the name, right? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the weather's been great. It's given that like that false fall feeling at night. Like you open up the window and it's getting to like high fifties, it feels like, but it's more likely, you know, low sixties or so. Um it's great to get, you know, settled in after work and just set out outside if you have a chance to do that we have a wonderful outdoor seating area on my deck and we have a fire like fire table and everything so we've been lighting that at night and it's been absolutely gorgeous did you uh did you get to do anything fun this weekend outdoors i actually got to go to the uh, hopkinson state fair up in uh, hopkinson new hampshire uh yesterday with the family and the in-laws the uh the little man had a blast running around out there, seeing all the tra- tractors and the cows and the pigs and the horse pulls. So it was a great day. The weather was perfect for it. Last year we went to the Hopkinton State Fair. It was like 90 degrees out. It was miserable. I think we stayed an hour and we're like, we're getting the heck out of here because it's <laughs> not worth it with a two-year-old. And uh, this year, you know, the twins came too. They were great. It was an all-around great day. I think we were there for like seven hours. It was a perfect day for being outside in new hampshire and starting to get that that fall feel you know and and of course this week it's going to warm up it's going to be in like the mid 80s and today i was swimming in my in-laws pool with my kids so it's like still a little bit of summer left but you get a little bit of that fall vibe too yeah we're getting those evenings and it's a little chilly and yet today it hit us like mid 80s and it felt like it was real hot out there i was working at the brewery here today and i had a few customers out at the outdoor patio and they're like we had one or two beers then we had to come in because when you're sitting out there on the black top and the sun's bouncing off it it's getting pretty toasty out there but luckily we were slinging some uh, some pilsners and some blonde ales some nice you know lightweight crisp beers and we were uh, we were able to mitigate the heat pretty well today those beers um, hit you a little bit quicker in the uh, heat too they do they do that's why you got to bring those abvs a little bit lower that's mm-hmm. for sure um you don't want to be hitting those double uh ipas when you're uh, you're out there in the heat um another special shout out i know i did this last episode but another special shout out to back hill beer um where i'm a bartender at um they're getting ready to, ready to celebrate their third anniversary awesome um i'm going to be going in on tuesday and hanging out with uh, kyle and peter as they're brewing our third anniversary beer we're going to be making a triple ipa the highest alcohol beer the brewery's ever made so uh it'll be a little fun yeah right it'll be a good time <laughs> you don't want to be sipping on that when it's like 90 degrees out i can no. tell you that no way those will hit you and i I, they hit me like a bus when I'm sitting outside. So yeah, nice, cool day, fall, fall evening. Sign me up for that all day. Absolutely. So with the fall right around the corner, that brings hockey season, obviously Pat's season two. If you can't tell I'm wearing a Pat's hat today, which is a little alien for me, but I do my best to, uh, to rep the local squad. But, uh, 
in New England. I don't know if it's this way around North America. Our listeners will have to ch- to, to chime in here a bit, but uh, people here freak out as soon as it starts to get a little cold, as soon as you start to see the leaves change color a little bit. Everyone and their mother, all these basic bitches, they all put on their Uggs and they go out to get their closest pumpkin flavored anything. So, Burge, I throw the question to you. Do you enjoy pumpkin spice anything? Pumpkin spice life? I enjoy a pumpkin spice, like the scent, like a Yankee Candle pumpkin spice scent. After September 1st, I'll take that all the way to Halloween. Uh, That is something, you know, I'm big into my fragrances with my candles, and those things are fantastic. You're Um, a big candle guy? Oh, yeah. You know, my wife got me into it when we started dating and, you know, the the pumpkin spice, the the fall candles are usually the ones that get me the most. Macintosh is my scent. Uh, when I pick up a new one, probably going to go some point this week to get one. It's going to be sitting on my desk right here, you know, while I record with you nice and lit. Give me that that nice aroma to, to <laughs> set the good vibes, the positive vibes going into recording with you. In terms of the pumpkin spice life, though, I mean, I'm indifferent about it. It's like, yeah, it's very, very basic. I mean, my wife loves you no know, pumpkin spice, anything. I'm just kind of indifferent about it. I don't have an opinion either way. Uh, it took like a pumpkin spice coffee, you know, something like that. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm indifferent. I, I, I feel, I sense that you feel very, very differently about this than I do. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's fair to say. I, uh, it, I'm kind of like. Uh, I'm like Ned Stark in Game of Thrones where he's like, brace yourself, winter is coming. But yet, I'm like, pumpkin is coming. Like, I warn everyone <laughs> as soon as like August hits. I'm like, you gotta like just be be ready for this shit in New England. Like, we're only, you know, like 45 minutes to an hour away from Salem here. And the Halloween vibes are real here in New England. I don't think anywhere else in the world treats this season the way that we do here in new england everybody really leans into the whole seasonality of fall and then we have all of the the leaf peepers that come up here like i swear to god Overload. i go to the grocery store now dude and you can find pumpkin spice everything like pumpkin spice coffee creamer pumpkin spice cream cheese pumpkin spice i'm like holy shit i'm gonna be able to go get pumpkin <laughs> spice fucking bleach and drown myself in that if i keep this up like this is terrible. Everything is pumpkin flavor. And honestly, I'm going to throw it out here. The pumpkin flavor is not good to begin with. You all only like pumpkin because you're drowning it in cinnamon sugar. All right. That's <laughs> all you enjoy. You enjoy cinnamon sugar. You don't like pumpkin. Pumpkins are meant to be carved up and turned into jack-o'-lanterns and eaten by animals, not humans. So you're not a pumpkin seed guy? You can roast that shit and eat it, like throw some salt on it, sure. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not pumpkin. You know, uh, you're not eating the insides like nastiness of a fucking pumpkin. Well, you're you're a beer guy, and you know, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit during the week, but like a shipyard pumpkin head with the cinnamon sugar rim, sign me up all day from September first until Halloween. I will drink that all day long. I could sip on it. And just, you know, kind of enjoy it. I don't need to chug it or anything like that. It's one of those beers I can sit, relax, and enjoy. And I'm a big fall guy. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm part of the region here. But fall is by far my favorite season. From, we'll say, the end of August until 
well, we'll even go as far to say New Year's is my favorite time of year. I look forward to it every year, mostly because the Patriots come back and the Bruins come back. Um, Absolutely. But just the whole cool weather, the the leaves cha- leaves changing color. I enjoy that. I'm not one of those people that will drive up north just to see the leaves. I can see it out my window here. I don't need to right. go up north to see it. Despite how amazing the scenery is, it's not worth fighting all the people to go see it. But I'll if you're going to knock fall, it's that's a hard pass for me. It's it's all all fall for me. And you know when winter comes and you got to deal with the snow. I'm not a big summer guy because the heat bothers me. I'm not a big beach guy, but the fall, those three to four months in the fall, I could live there all year round. Absolutely, dude. I'm right there with you. And and I I'd, I'd have to agree with you that the fall is my favorite, favorite time of year because there's nothing better than, as I forget who had said it, sweater weather. Sweater weather is the best fucking weather dude being able to just throw on a hoodie mm-hmm. and like some sweatpants and just chill outside comfortably you're not sweating your ass off you're not cold it's just absolutely pristine and all of the mosquitoes are starting to die off mm-hmm. because it's too cold um it's it's just pristine dude it's my favorite time of year it's gorgeous to be outside um, I know a lot of the rednecks around here really love it too because they start getting to shoot animals illegally. So happy hunting season to you that if you celebrate, I'm not one of those people, but <laughs> I'm hearing those those gunshots going off all the time now. I think it started today or something. And all the, the camo wearing friends like Dick Cheney are out there shooting their friends um, and the animals and shit. But uh, yeah, huge fan of fall and Hell, like I said in a couple episodes here, we are getting closer and closer to hockey season. The Pats are going to be kicking us off here on Sunday. Um, First, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are your thoughts on the opening kickoff weekend here? Well, it's all about Tom Brady this weekend. He's coming back home. They're going to honor him at halftime in in the game this afternoon. Or Sunday afternoon, sorry. And it's all about him. In terms of the game, I mean... I don't feel great about it. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year. They're an explosive team. Patriots were not an explosive team last year. It'll be interesting to see how they come out and they look with the new offensive coordinator and the new personnel they brought in. Uh, I'm optimistic, but I, I'm a realist too. I don't foresee them winning this game. I'll be happy if they keep it close and it, they, they make it come down to the wire. That's kind of where I sit on it. And you know, maybe we'll get to see some some good stuff from Mac Jones with his new weapon, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Gusecki. See what Zeke Elliott can bring to the table uh, with Ramondre Stevenson in the background. And, and ultimately, the big test is going to be what that defense can do against Jalen Hurts, who, had he not got hurt last year, was probably going to be the MVP of the NFL last year. I mean, he's kind of like named aptly, right? Jalen yeah. Hurts. He's yeah. not Jalen healthy, is he? No, he's... Jalen Hurts and he he That's missed right. a lot of time last year and it cost him cost him an MVP award. I think I'm sure I'm, he gets it. I'm definitely the first person to ever make that joke. So <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm excited for the Pats simply to have Pats football back. You know, I like having a reason to yell at my TV, and I'll be the first one to tell you that I am incredibly uneducated about the Patriots. But uh, it's great to have Pats 
football on TV. Mm-hmm. The community around here where I'm at, everybody really loves the Pats and everybody talks about the Pats. Mm-hmm. So if you're not watching and you're not paying attention, you're not, you know, staying in touch with the world around you. So I'm excited to have it back. I love live sports. I love New England sports. I love sports that I'm invested in. Um, I look forward to seeing Zeke Elliott uh, get out there. I want, Hopefully we can see Zeke eat. You know, with all those those things uh, that they say, yeah, let's let feed Zeke, uh, let him eat, and everything. Um, I, I'm still a little concerned about the uh, the quarterback position. I don't think you know Mac necessarily has the pocket awareness that he needs to have to be a successful QB at the NFL level. I I feel like when when the uh, um, you know the offensive line falls apart. Most NFL, you know, good high-end caliber quarterbacks have that awareness to throw it away or, you know, sense when the pressure's coming, and I haven't really seen that out of Mac yet. So it'll be an important test for him to see how he can kind of handle that this year because we don't have that excuse of having a shitty offensive coordinator anymore. So what are, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, I, the pocket awareness is a big thing with Mac. He doesn't possess the athletic ability that most, a lot of these, like a Jalen Hurts or a Justin Fields has to be able to move around and, and, you know, take the ball and tuck it and run if he needs to, to scramble around back there. Patrick Mahomes does it wonderfully. He can make all these ridiculous throws on the run. So can Josh Allen. Um, I don't see him having the skill set to do that. So that po- kind of that pocket awareness and that ability to get that ball out quick is, is big on big for him. And that, that also comes down to, you know, the receivers creating separation at the line, you know, off the jump of the snap that the, the way that the Patriots have always done things, even when Brady was here is Brady never got hit because he snapped the ball and that ball was out of there within two, three seconds. Edelman was juking and getting open uh, going over the middle. You had, you know, Gronk being able to go up and get balls that, you know, 99% of the guys can't go up and get. So it's, it's going to have to be a well-oiled machine for it to really work. Uh, I envision some growing pains off the, off the top. Patriots have never been statistically a good team in September. Um, Even with Brady, they seem to peak at the end of the year. Obviously the team has not peaked at the end of the year post Brady. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get back to that kind of, track that they're on where they get better as the year goes on not get worse um we'll, we'll have to wait and see how, how how it all comes out i i'm excited I, football season is kind of nostalgic for me obviously going back to when i was a kid when the patriots you know started getting good it was all tied in with the fall vibe you know you're going to sit at a football stadium where it's nice and cool and breezy you know, you're watching football on a sunday afternoon you know it's starting to get dark a little earlier which i don't necessarily mind the weather's getting cooler. It's it's all part of that whole nostalgic vibe for me, and that's why I'm really excited to, you know, get back to having the Patriots playing. Absolutely. Well, we're all looking forward to them taking to the field on Sunday against the Eagles. I uh, I probably have to agree that I expect them to get their shit right properly pushed in, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know that the I feel like the Patriots really have a strong defense this year, as they did last year. You know, Matt Judon and and the decor I think are ready to to be a top tier defense in the NFL. 
the real big question is going to be on the offensive side of things. If Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones can put together a solid campaign for the Pats. Um, regarding hockey, let's pivot here to let's where go. a lot of our listeners are focusing. Um, they, the Bruins actually just released the first bit of Centennial content on social media today, um, September 3rd. They were talking about how today was the day that Bobby Orr actually signed his contract to join the Boston Bruins as an 18-year-old for two years. Didn't so know that. Yeah, yeah. Happy anniversary, Bobby. I know you're a big fan of mine with my uh, my tattoo here. Um, shout out to Darren Orr for hooking me up with that signed jersey way back when. But uh, yeah, so happy anniversary to that. Um, exciting times coming up here for the Boston Bruins. You're going to see a lot of centennial content coming through from the Boston Bruins social media people on their official um, social accounts. So keep an eye out for that. Um, there is an actual uh, the the centennial takeoff event that's coming up here in a few weeks or a couple weeks, and that's pretty exciting to me simply because they are unveiling the three new jerseys that the Bruins are going to wear this upcoming season. Um, there's going to be a, a home and away jersey and an alternate jersey that will be worn against original six opponents and on the special heritage nights um, that are occurring or the, the era nights that are occurring this season. So um, pretty excited to see that. Burge, do you plan on picking up any of the new swag for the centennial season? I uh, see. I, I'm not a huge Jersey guy when it comes to, you know, buying hockey jerseys. I'm more of a t-shirt hat kind of guy when it comes to that. So uh, I would be definitely looking into picking up some of those pieces of the merchandise in terms of the jerseys. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they look like. And uh, maybe if I fall in love with one of them, might decide to splurge and get myself a nice Tuka Rask custom jersey from them on that because yeah good backup goalie jersey yep <laughs> because he's my favorite guy he's my guy i wouldn't I, there's nobody really on the team i'm super attached to right now other than maybe david posternock because i got been following him since he was a rookie the other guys i'm not jersey attached to at this point i mean that's that's kind of where i sit uh i'm kind of gonna wait and see what they look like before i decide to commit to it i know you you already putting out a poll on who, which one, uh, which one players you're going to get. And I liked, I oh, like yeah, some dude. of your choices there. I'm a little bit of a degenerate when it comes to jerseys. Like I love jerseys and I'm going to buy a Jersey every time they release one. Basically I sponsor Jeremy Jacobs in any way, shape or form that I can. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very excited for these because I'm a Jersey fucking snob. I love them. Um, I, I've already heard that the jerseys are most likely going to emulate those, those eighties, nineties jerseys for the home and away. And I'm incredibly excited about that. I, uh, I think it'll be just an absolute gorgeous kit. Um, so I already put out a poll as you had alluded to, I already have a pasta Jersey. I have a McAvoy Jersey. I have a Marshan Jersey. So I want to get a name that we don't necessarily have in my household already um so i'm thinking i'm thinking maybe a goalie here and i and, and let me be clear i'm gonna get three of these jerseys i'm gonna get one of the home one of the away and the alternate i'm gonna get all three 
So, and I, and I want to pick some players that have some contract term because it's not going to be like a one and done type scenario or they have history. And with that point, as I've mentioned many times on social media, I'm going to be one of the first schmucks to jump in line and get myself a Milan Lucic Centennial jersey. And I, like I know, it. Sh- shout out to my buddy Pezzi. I said it to him earlier today when he was streaming on Twitch. I was like, I'm going to get one of those. And he's like, I want to get one, but I don't want to get one of Milan Lucci. <laughs> yeah. And he brought up a good point, and I'm very curious to see how the Bruins handle this. Pezzi was like, I think I want to get like a Jerry Cheever's jersey or you know a Phil Esposito jersey. And I'm thinking to myself, do I think that the Bruins will, with it being the centennial season, will they have historical players available for these or will they just have the active roster? I, I feel like I feel like to, to do it right, they have to do that. I mean, they got to pay homage to some of the great teams in the organization's history. Uh, I could. Wouldn't it be great to to get yourself one of Milt Schnitt? You know, you know what I mean, or Phil Esposito, like you and Eddie Shore, to. Eddie Shore, Dick Clapper, you know, Rick Middleton, Cam Neely, Raymond Bork, all these guys that have been such critical parts to the history of the Boston Bruins. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's about celebrating the team's history. And if they don't, I think it's a colossal miss uh, in just in terms of marketing for these, for the sales of these jerseys. If they don't, if they don't bring these jerseys in, I think it would be a colossal miss and who knows what the Jacobs, I mean, they all like money. We know they like money. So I, I've got to think that they're going to bring at least, you know, some of these guys back. I don't think you're going to see every one of the, you know, the retired numbers or, you know, anything like that brought in, but could you, I got to think they're definitely got to do Bobby Orr. I mean, that's an, that seems like an obvious one, right? It's just printing money. If you do any of those guys, right. Especially for all the boomers that are like age 55 (laughs) plus. Yeah. Like they'll just be printing shit. And I don't understand. I, I feel like historically, as I've indicated, I'm a Jersey whore. Like I buy jerseys. I've got both of the reverse retro jerseys. I've got every Jersey that's been released in the last four years. Like it's, it's a problem for me, but I have to say that the Bruins haven't handled this well historically. So I'm kind of concerned because especially with the last two reverse retro releases, and I don't know if this is tied to the issue with logistics during COVID-19, but there was a very finite amount of jerseys available the last two reverse retro releases. And I was very fortunate to get an authentic um, Marchand and an authentic Taylor Hall reverse retro jersey because I'm an idiot and I work from home and I prioritize the wrong things and I'm on the website (laughs) immediately and ordering them. Um, A lot of people weren't as fortunate as me. Um, So I really hope with them, you know, they're having a whole event to unveil these jerseys. Mm -hmm. Like legitimately, they're having the Bruins out at Logan Airport in a section that's otherwise unavailable to to people. Like they're literally curtaining off part a part of Logan Airport to have this demonstration and this what's probably considered a fucking fashion show Mm -hmm. of all of the Centennial merchandise. I hope they have their ducks in a row and they have a lot more stock available for the fans because the demand's going to be there. 
mean, especially this is considered a basically a year season long event. So these jerseys aren't going to be worn one time early in the season. Like they're going to be worn throughout the whole entire year. So I have to think that they're going to have somewhat of, you know, their shit together when it comes to, you know, putting this merchandise out. And again, I, if they, if they start bringing in the, the historical players, then, you know, yeah, printing money, they can take my money. Cause I can get, I'm going to get one of them at that point. And if they don't, if they if they screw this up too, it's just going to be yep, chalk it up to the Jacobs dropping the ball again. That's what that's what that's kind of where I would see it going, and I'd be really bummed out to you know see the hundredth year of the first North American franchise in the, in the National Hockey League to have this happen to them. And you know we'll we'll, we'll have to see, and uh, I really hope to get myself a Tuka Rask one. That's the one that I, that I really want. And <laughs> if, if they don't have that, then, you know, screw the Jacobs. I'm, I'm bad. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, potentially get one of those jerseys, two of those jerseys, three of those jerseys. I have a problem. Um, yeah. I'm going to be picking those up here. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a Lucic Centennial. So that's going to be the third Jersey. I don't know what that looks like right now, but I've heard rumors that it's going to have the, uh, Centennial patch on the, uh, upper left chest with the corporate sponsor in the upper right. Um, it, I've heard that it's going to be that, that spoke B sort of logo from the original Fenway winter classic, the kind of cartoon looking mm-hmm. spoke B. Um, I've heard that the texture on the gold on the stripes and on the B are going to have like, a almost like a reflective quality to it. Um, it's going to kind of like shimmer in the light, like authentic, like metallic gold, um, to kind of honor the fact that it's the centennial all, all things considered, it's probably going to be a very cheesy Jersey, but the fact that it's a, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, an homage to the franchise that I have invested so much of my life into. Um, I feel like it's something that I have to kind of participate in and, and definitely I'm not going to buy a Chinese knockoff on something like this. Like I want quality um, and I will pay for quality. So I'll get the Luchich one um, for that because of the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, good choice. I, Big big fan of Lucic. He he was a big part of our 2011 team that won us the cup. Um, that's more to, than a lot of those guys on 2013 and 2019 can say because you fucking lost. You didn't get us a cup. Uh, um, so I'm gonna get that. And then from the goalie perspective, I was thinking between Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. I want to get one of those probably on the home side of things for the new home jerseys. Uh, which are going to be all black and have that uh, 90s style Bruins logo on it. Um, potentially even have the meth bear on the shoulders, which I would be low key stoked for. Not the poo um, bear? No, not poo. We're going to go meth bear on the shoulders, I think, because that's how it was in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided instead of Swayman, because I don't, I honestly think, and I'm, I'm kind of in your camp here, Birch, I think it makes more sense to get more value from from trading Swayman. And uh, I'm kind of concerned that that maybe happens. I think Linus Olmark will be here longer than what Jeremy Swayman is. 
And uh, with my Scandinavian heritage, I'm going to go with Linus Olmark there. I like it. So probably a Linus Olmark jersey on the home side of things. Like and it. that leaves an away jersey for me to figure out who that's going to go to. And I think I think we got to go with Pavel Zaka on that final one. I, uh, I think newly uh, appointed number one center Pavel Zaka is going to make a uh, – a real career out of it here in Boston and with opportunities he wasn't going to be given in New Jersey. What are your thoughts on Zaka in his upcoming season here, Burge? Uh, it's a big season for him. Uh, it's going to be nice to see, you know, how he does it in that first center role. Bruins don't really have anybody else behind him other than Charlie Coyle. I don't see him as a, as a first line center. Uh, it, he he's was a fir- former first over, or not for first round pick top first round pick. Uh, in the NHL yeah, sixth draft. overall. Yeah. I think it wasn't that in the 2015 draft as well. I that, think so. That loaded draft that, that, you know, the Bruins Let's famously swung and Let's missed. Move Let's move on. Yep. <laughs> you know, it had trouble fitting in, in New Jersey came in here last year and I think hit his stride, you know, playing with Pasternak. I think they have that connection. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, not just Zaka, but the, the forward lines as a whole do without their leader, Bergeron and you know David Krejci back there it's going to be a, a very different looking season it's going to be up to guys like Zaka to step up and kind of fill those shoes and I'm not saying they need to be what those guys were to the Bruins but they they got to step up and at least shoulder some of that load whether it's just Zaka you know taking off and becoming a superstar in the league or it's you know a guy here you know Zaka here Coyle here you know Martian steps up a little bit you get you get these guys coming in and hopefully can fill those shoes out. Absolutely. And th- and that's a big reason why I'm thinking Zaka. I mean, he had a, he had an opportunity to show that he was more than what he showed in New Jersey. And he significantly outproduced what he did at any point in New Jersey with the Bruins in his first season. Granted he was on the wing, but he did spend some time at center. Um, and I think he actually acquitted himself quite well um, at the center position. And now he's going to have, probably one of the best wingers in the game on his line and uh anybody else that they plug in there with him and pasta uh can can just i mean it's just sugar at that point right you know that's a great line to play on no matter who you are so feel like a guy uh, could fill fill into that role you know you can plug and play guys into that role you know you're playing with two guys that you know really clicked last year like to see them take another step forward this year you can kind of plug and play some of these veterans that they signed, you know, maybe even get, get to a point where you call up a kid, kid or two to come in and just plug in there and, you know, see what happens. I mean, we've, we've discussed this on previous pods that, you know, this is going to be considered a transition year for the team. This is a year to find out, you know, can Zaka shoulder the load as a one, you know, the first line center, or are they going to have to go out and spend money, uh, you know, next off season? Let's see, let's see what happens. And, uh, like I said, I mean, it's. It, I don't want to consider it like a Krejci Lucic situation where they were trying to plug and play a winger for him, you know, back in you know the 2010s, that kind of that whole decade there. But like that other wing with you know Pasta and Zaka, you can try multiple different things there early on in the season and just see if something just sticks, and uh, you can kind of move forward with that going, you know, going into the season, going deeper uh, as the year goes on. So I'm very excited to see what. Zaka can do. Pasternak, again, is probably my favorite player on the team, has been for a while outside of Rask, the goalie. Uh, 
we know what he can bring to the table. He's a goal scorer. He's great for the power play. And let's see what Zaka can do to compliment him this year. Yeah, a hundred percent agreed. And that's a big reason why I'm I'm strongly considering Zaka. Like right now, I'm between I'm between Zaka and DeBrusque, I think, for that final jersey. So it really has a lot to do with how the contractual situation goes with Jake DeBrusque. Um, he's a pending free agent here, mm-hmm. and he's come out in the media recently. I think we touched on this before, but he's come out in the media recently saying that he would love to extend and stay in Boston. But uh, with a guy of his skill, you look at some of the contracts that have been signed recently. Like, do the Bruins still think that that's worth it for Jake? I mean, he's he, he'll probably command a, a high sixes or maybe mm-hmm. low sevens AAV right now. And, uh, you know, there's no absolute certainty that the cap's going to continue to increase. You know, we've got to worry a lot about hockey-related revenue and you know, with the the uh, World Cup of Hockey coming up and such uh, events that can directly impact hockey-related revenue, um, the Bruins have to be comfortable with that cap hit if they're going to commit to Jake DeBrusque because it's going to be probably a five to seven-year contract that it would take to sign him. And you know, he had a, he had a good year last year, as as did the entire squad. But I, I when I watch Jake DeBrusque play, he almost seems like he's a very streaky kind of player where, you know, he'll put together, you know, a streak of, you know, really strong performances followed by, you know, a week of duds. And, you know, I love, I love Drake DeBrusque. Uh, you know, I had a chance to meet him at a season ticket holder event a couple of years ago. It was one of the nicest guys that I had an opportunity to meet and chat with. It was, I believe it was him and Charlie Coyle were two that were actually sat and had a conversation with my wife and my wife and I, and it was really an awesome experience he did have that situation where he had the, you know, the trade request, I believe it was two years ago. And so I don't know if there's a little bit of flake there. You know, you hear rumors about how he wants to go up to play in Edmonton around his family, you know, dude, now he's coming out saying he wants to stay because they had a great year last year. What happens if this year they, they don't perform as well and, you know, things don't go as well for, for, for Jake, it'll all be, uh, you know, what we find out this year. I'd be a little nervous to buy a jersey of him at this point. So I agree with your, you know, going Zaka over to Brust right now. I mean, we'll see what happens between, you know, anytime he could end up signing that contract. So it'll be interesting to see how how his situation plays out. I mean, he comes in and has another, you know, stellar year. I would feel very comfortable, you know, putting pen to paper on an extension for him. The AAV would make me a little nervous just because of the cap situation, but the Bruins have the luxury next year of having quite a bit of cap space so they can be flexible with, you know, determining what they want to do going forward. Absolutely. Um, I'm very eager to see what happens this year because there's, there's going to be so much turnover at the end of this year, simply due to the amount of cap space that's opening up with contracts ending and the cap going up itself. I mean, right now I've heard that there's going to be like 30 million or so in cap space mm-hmm. going into the next season. Then, it's going to be super intriguing to see what Don Sweeney does at the deadline with the limited draft capital that we have <laughs> and the uh, amount of cap space that we do have. So um, let's pivot here. Uh, we've talked about the Bruins. I think we've touched on all the big topics for this week. There'll be plenty more to talk about next week, I'm sure. But I wanted to ask you something that you and I have talked about offline a few different times is our passion for gaming and, mm-hmm. and just playing video games. 
Um, sure, you all have seen. I mean, we do a Twitch stream here for the two pad stack on my Twitch account uh, at Ace043 uh, on Twitch. Um, we play NHL 23. We're going to play NHL 24. We're going to have an official two pad stack club. Let's go. For NHL 24. We're not going to be playing on that shitty old Bruins club. Uh, we're on the, we're gonna... on the shitty console version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks, Brett. I, yeah. I made sure of that, dude. On that note, I actually sent Brett a console this week. I shipped it to him, and uh, he told me he's going to totally pay me one day, uh, eventually. <laughs> For me to ship an Xbox Series S from Rochester, New Hampshire, to... I'm not going to dox Brett, but everybody knows he's in Ontario... Uh, for me to do that, it cost me over a hundred dollars. <laughs> and Brett's like, "Oh yeah, I'll totally, I'll do, I'll cover your shipping fees." I was like, "Are you sure about that? Like, you sure about that?" And he was into it, so he's gonna pay me for the console and cover shipping fees. Uh, so Brett will be bringing us out of the Stone Age here. They anticipated that the new console will arrive to his house on Wednesday, uh, so. Awesome. We're gonna we're gonna be able to get Brett on the modern console, download the modern version of NHL twenty three, not the Stone Age one. And the uh current <laughs> assortment of Xbox folks will be able to uh beat the shit out of the something's brewing guys on a, on uh PlayStation. So Can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um Birch, you and I are similar age. How did you get started in gaming? Like what platform are you on? So the first platform I ever got was a Nintendo 64. My parents got it for us for Christmas one year, myself and my two sisters, younger sisters. I played it the most at that point because my sisters were a few years younger than I was. Um, I picked, you can kind of picture the, you know, the, the meme of the kid getting the Nintendo 64 on Christmas where he's just like, ah, yeah, I, that was me, uh, maybe to a lesser degree, but that was me and that's how i kind of got started into gaming i think the first game i had was mario kart 64 my mom and my sisters and i we played the crap out of that uh you know on a daily basis it seemed and it kind of just grew from there uh nintendo 64 remains to be one of my favorite consoles i still have mine from the 90s when i did get it for christmas uh my favorite game for for that platform it's tough to pick one but if I'm going to pick one, it's probably the legend of Zelda Ocarina of time. I, what a great game that so many memories playing that game as a kid, uh, you know, with my neighbor. Uh, so that's to me, probably one of the best games of all time. It's just so much to do in it. It was so, so ahead of its time. And you think about how many, you know, how the games are nowadays with them being, you know, very open world run around kind of, you know, shooters, any kind of game. Now you can do that. And the legend of Zelda, you could do it back in the nineties. It was such a great game, dude. Like, just the fact that you really kind of had that level of immersion. You could look all the way around you mm -hmm. and see things behind you, to your right, to your left. You could hear the things that happens around you. It kind of had, it kind of had like that first iteration of surround sound. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, with that game, um, I felt that way with uh, Super Mario sixty four as well. Like, it was it, th those two games were just just awesome so i'm right there with you i played the shit out of um mario kart 64 
I uh, always gave my youngest sibling like the shittiest controller I had. Same here. Like the one with like the super bad, you know, uh, you know, joystick drift, mm-hmm. and like it didn't work well. And and then whenever my sibling would lose to me, I'd be like, you know, you gotta fucking get good. Like you, <laughs> if you're gonna come at the king, you you best not miss. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Another another one for me was GoldenEye 64. You play the yep. crap out of that. You remember I got having, the golden gun, baby. Going in and having slap fights with, with your friends. You know, you get the get all together with the you know the four player split screen multiplayer. You're going in with the big heads and slap fights, the proximity mines, throwing proximity mines everywhere. You die and you have the wall of blood that wall goes over blood. your screen. That's iconic, dude. The music in that game, too. Iconic. The pause music, all every level, like I, I don't know what bit the music was from that. I want to say it was 16-bit music is what it was. I, I'm not 100% sure, but, like, every one of those levels, the music the music just banged. Like, when you were going in there and you heard that so music good. come, like, you are just like, let's go. It's and so good. So many memories of playing that game. And I know they recently brought it out to, I think Xbox Game Pass has multi, or not multiplayer, but has a remake of the game, and so does the Nintendo Switch. But it, I've checked it out. It doesn't do justice it's not to what the same the original console did yeah it that that feel of just having that nintendo 64 controller in your hands the weird shape of it and the weird <laughs> grip you had to do to hold it you know like with, you're holding it with like yeah and we get the z button behind it and moving your joystick with the thumb yeah the so many memories playing that game the, all, all those nintendo 64 games man all of them so i was a big n64 guy but I actually, before I had an N64, I had a Sega Genesis. So I was playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have my sibling play as Tails. And uh, and then I played a lot of that Myst game. You remember that? M-Y-S-T. Um, yeah, now me, I'm like, I'm like nine years old, eight years old at that time. I don't fucking know what I'm doing on this. Same here, man. I'm just walking around this fucking island and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty fucking cool. It's an island and I can look around. Uh, I'm going to go back and play Sonic the Hedgehog at this point now because I know what the fuck I'm doing on Sonic the Hedgehog. Did, but, did, uh, you, did you ever check out Mist on Game Pass when they had it on the Xbox? Yeah, I went back on there. I'm like, what the fuck it's, is this? I still game? had no idea what the hell I was doing. I know, dude. <laughs> I had no fucking idea. Uh, I was like, "This is a game that I remember." Why do I remember this? And I think it. I think it's probably just because the the world that the game is in is just like you look around and you feel like you're in the shoes mm-hmm. of the person that's just walking around on this fucking island. And I know there's a lot that that people that are gonna like probably yell at me and like. Oh, this is actually a narrative adventure, and there's there's a real big story behind. Bro, I never found the story. I'm just walking around never a fucking either, island. Man. Right there with and you. Maybe I'm stupid or whatever, and it is what it is, but I, I didn't get there. But uh, yeah, it all started for Sega with me with uh, Sega Genesis, and then I went to um, N64, as we've already touched on, played the shit out of the original Super Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. With my siblings, and I'd have friends over, and then I'd beat the shit out of them. Yep with uh bowser and super smash brothers um and then i uh i pivoted again and i got the original playstation 
big gamer here. I love games. Yeah. And uh, I played uh, like Spyro the Dragon and <laughs> um, some of those NHL games. Uh, I also remember playing a lot of uh, NBA jams. I think I played like NBA jams yep, back I in the day. Yep. NHL 94. Um, just just so many fantastic games that I played on those consoles. And then when the original Xbox came out, uh, my mother worked for Comcast at the time. And they had a partnership with Microsoft. So I bought myself, I can't say that. I was like 14. I didn't have enough money. Yeah. My, uh, my mom bought me an Xbox. And uh, I was playing like Halo back in the day. Like a oh. giant Halo guy. Like Halo is still my all-time favorite FPS. Even more than like Modern Warfare 2 and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Because it was so, it, it really kind of broke the mold. For first-person shooters, it was like the first big arena shooter. If you like, outside of like, uh, um, like Quake or uh, anything in like the Unreal Engine, but uh, Halo was fantastic for me, and I, I had that original Xbox, and I was playing the shit out of that. I was playing uh, a few other games, but um, my mother got me a card from her affiliation at work. For when Xbox Live first launched. So the first week that Xbox Live was a thing, I was online and playing uh, uh, Crimson Skies is the name of the game. Does that sound familiar to you? I don't think I ever played it, but it it does sound familiar. And yeah, just real quick before you move on to that with Halo, dude, I remember just with my neighbors just getting in and spending hours in... What was I forget the name of the map? I'm dry, drawing a blank on it. Blood Gulch was one of them. Blood Gulch was an amazing map, and I love the just... camp. The campaign map that I love the most, the Silent Cartographer. Yes, and that was the beach storming one where you're going in there with a warthog and everything. It was on all the demos when you went into the like, it's like the first that, mission. The, yeah, yeah, it's one of the major ones, and. Um, it's the one that was on the demo anytime you went into like a Best Buy or mm-hmm. a GameStop or EB Games at that point. Um, and they had it like on the, the the Xbox console in the store to play. Yeah, the the vehicles were the biggest thing for me. Like you're, I, I hadn't played like a shooter game that had the ability to drive a vehicle and have like your friend hop in the back and shoot the warthog, you know, the, the machine gun turret on the back of it while you're running around trying to kill all these little alien dudes, the Covenant and the banshees i had a blast flying those around where you actually could fly around a map and you know shoot shoot down your friends as you're you know taking them out from a mile away I, so many memories with 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 halo and believe it or not i didn't actually have an xbox until probably three or four years after the release uh, i played you mostly at my neighbor's house who had one and i because i was a big playstation 2 guy and playstation 2 was the console i had to have big into racing games you know at that point so gran turismo 3 played the shit out of that and then how can we forget grand theft auto 3 a game that like my parents were like you're never buying this game but you didn't know i borrowed it from my friend and was playing it in my room with the door closed i played the shit out of that game i dude i played it on my ipad like i I, it's one of my favorite games of all time i played it on playstation i played it on xbox and i played it on an ipad so that's a good question um 
you know, I'll, I'll pivot right back to it real quick. So uh, to, to finish my point here, I went from uh, Sega Genesis N64 to uh, PlayStation 1 to the original Xbox. And at that point, the console wars had begun. Mm-hmm. And I, being the impressionable young man, I decided that the side that I was on at the time was the side I preferred. And I have been an Xbox guy ever since. So I had uh, the original Xbox. I went to the Xbox 360. I went to the Xbox One. And now I have both an Xbox Series S and an Xbox Series X today. So I really enjoy the Xbox ecosystem. I had a PS3. I had a PS4. I tried them both. And I never really liked the UI. But I understand a lot of people do. And that's their their preference. Um, it, it doesn't work for me. But... Um, what, I know you're an Xbox guy now too, Burge. How did you get to that point? So I was a Nintendo 64. Then I, like you, went to PlayStation 1. I then went to PlayStation 2. And then uh, I did also buy an Xbox with my first job money. I worked at McDonald's. I was one of the first things I bought when I had got my first paycheck was an Xbox. After that, like you said, the console war started the next generation. I was a diehard Xbox 360 guy. Had the, an original one that red ringed. And ended up getting one of the uh, <laughs> the slim new black ones. You know, mine, mine actually lasted quite a bit of time. It lasted, I think, I want to say like four years before it, it, you know, it crapped the bed and red ringed. And then I went out and bought, uh, you know, one of the slim black Xbox 360s, mainly because it was the day Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out. My Xbox red ringed. And I was like, well, what the hell? I just paid $60 for this game. I want to play this game. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I'm going to go out and buy you know, a console, you know, young, uneducated college Burge going out and just spending money on his credit card that he didn't have. But after that, uh, you know, my friends and I had quite a bit of debate. And for the next gen, we actually went to PS4 and we played, you know, the shit out of PS4, probably for, again, three, four years. Uh, And then, you know, there was one time, you know, I'm with my wife, my girlfriend now wife at the time. And I just keep talking about how, Oh, I want to get an Xbox. I want to play halo again. I want to get the Xbox one. And then one Christmas, she just surprised me with an Xbox one uh, S, you know, you nice. know, the white, the white one. And from that point on, I, you know, I would play both consoles. I destiny was one of my favorite games, you know, during the time it came out, I would play it on both consoles because I had friends that played it on both consoles. And this was before cross play or cross save was, was around. So I was had two separate accounts that would play it on. And, um, you know, eventually the Xbox one kind of won out more friends I played with had an Xbox one. So I stuck with it and Xbox series. S. here we are. So, so what is your favorite game of all time? That's such a tough question. I have so many. I, I so let me let me I, rephrase. You go it. first. What's your favorite game of all time, and what's your favorite game to play the most right now? Favorite game of all time: Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. That's I don't a good think one. Anything can I top can that. that. Nothing can top that for me. I've I've played so much of it, and you know I I find myself going back and playing it now. You know, even if it's on the Switch, I find myself going back and playing it. I I found myself playing more Majora's Mask than Ocarina of Time. Really? I see. I never got into Majora's Mask. I know that's a another like top game. I had it. I started playing it. I'm like, oh, this isn't the same as Ocarina of Time, so I don't like it. And this is you know 10, 10 12 year old me being like, nah, I don't really care about this. Uh, right now, the the game that I'm probably most into, uh, probably Rocket League. 
uh, just because I'm an adult uh, with three kids, uh, young children. I don't have a oh, whole... shit. Rocket League. I... We haven't played Rocket League. No, before. I don't have a whole heck of a lot of time to play video games nowadays because of my young children. And Rocket League is one of those games I can log on, play for 30 minutes, knock out six games and log off. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, dude. Like being able to just jump in, play and then get out. Um, So if you don't know this about me and I'll probably touch on this eventually, but I'm a big Star Wars guy. I love Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars. I've gone to go see every single movie that have come out in theaters. When I was a young kid, I loved going out and seeing episode one and episode two in theaters. Um, huge Star Wars guy. My favorite game of all time. It's a little bit convoluted here. There's two of them. And I, I know that's a cop out and I apologize in advance. But uh, my favorite one on PC is the Jedi Knight uh series jedi outcast 2 um and then or sorry uh jedi academy um such a great game is and that it one was on xbox on... too yes so they ended up bringing it. it to xbox eventually but it was originally on pc only and it was on the quake engine so it had an fps component with like authentic star wars guns including like the wookie bowcaster and they were like um you know regular plasma blasters and such uh and it was so good but what really brought me over the edge for that game was the the lightsaber combat yeah the lightsaber combat combined with the force abilities that they gave with both a dark side tree and a light side tree like for the time that game was fucking revolutionary um the online multiplayer was awesome you could join lobbies and play with randoms and there's actually still a community today because so many people have the same thought that I do, that it was such a good game. There's still a community today on PC that is maintaining active lobbies for you to jump in and play like dual servers and such to, to uh, enjoy the lightsaber combat in Jedi Knight uh, on PC. So that's my favorite game of all time. Narrative-wise, um, I have to say, once again, on the Star Wars theme, um, Knights of the Old Republic... Mm-hmm is a fantastic narrative game and Lucasfilm is absolutely uh they have their heads up their asses if they don't do anything to turn that setting into a cinematic you know set piece here mm-hmm. they need to turn that into a tv series or a film pronto it's going to be printing money people have been saying that for like 15 years i think now um, such a wonderful experience, both on the first one and the sequel, even though the sequel isn't as good as the initial one. Uh, KOTOR is great. Um, currently, though, I think uh, I'm playing a bunch of different games. Um, I stream a bunch of different games on my Twitch account. I have spent probably about the last 14, 15, 16, 17, I don't fucking know how many years time flies years of my my life playing world of warcraft <laughs> i'm a big uh, mmo guy i started with uh started with everquest when i was in first grade i was actually playing everquest and that's probably how i learned how to like spell a lot of the shit that i know how to spell like i learned a lot of words that i wouldn't have learned otherwise and an mmo um i don't think everquest would want to know that i was playing that when i was first in first grade <laughs> like seven years old but uh, but yeah, I got into that and I really enjoyed MMOs and then I got into World of Warcraft the year it launched and I've been there ever since. Uh, just a couple weeks back, WoW launched their WoW Classic Hardcore mode, 
which is if you don't know what a hardcore mode in in gaming is is uh if you die you're fucking done and let me just make it abundantly clear like in world of warcraft the the level cap is 60 um if you have your like gaming really optimized you can get to level 60 i don't know it'll take you about you know 60 hours of actual gameplay like not just it'll take you a week it'll take you 60 consistent hours of working on your character to get to level 60 so you have people that are like 50 hours of their lives into uh invested into these characters (laughs) and then they have like a situation where an extra monster appears in a cave it spawns an extra mob and then suddenly they're trying to fend off like six mobs and then they die and they have to start from square one because it's hardcore mode and that's so much fun to me like it, it, it makes a world that i'm so familiar with and it became kind of like stale to me it brings like a whole new breath of life and a new vibrancy, a new degree of peril and danger just to walking around in that universe. Have you ever, uh, have you ever played any games that has like a, a hardcore mode burst? No, for the reason that if I spent 50 hours into a game and I got killed before I beat it and I had to start over, I'd probably punch a hole in my wall. That would, I would rage quit hard on that. I, that would make me hate playing the game. And I, I too enjoy playing World of Warcraft, just not in the, the hardcore mode because I'm not, <clears throat> I haven't played WoW since the vanilla version came out. I think it was back in 2004. I start, I played it casually when Burning Crusade came out, went away, then came back for when uh, Mists of Pandoria came out. And then I'm one of those Ugh. players that, co- that comes and goes from that. Yeah. And when they released wild classic i dove in played for a bit then i was like oh this grind is killing me i I forgot how like pain in the ass this can be when i'm trying to find like eight you know teeth of a boar and every time i kill one there's nothing there i'm like oh my god why do i have to keep doing this and then each one would knock my health down in half and i have to wait or eat some you know eat some apples and drink some milk to get my mana back and then keep going and i'd be like oh my (laughs) god come on it's so like i i would get so frustrated but with with i think it's wrath of leech king classic is the one that's out now i find myself co- coming and going from it just because of that nostalgia feeling when i play world of warcraft i get that feeling of when it was you know interesting to talk to somebody on the internet you know before th- streaming and you know video conferencing and everything came out and you're going on you're meeting these people and you're like you're walking around Orgrimmar, for example, and you're seeing all these people playing. Oh, this person could be in Europe. This person could be in South America. That that yeah, was the dude. coolest feeling. It was, and it really, I feel like with the the world of like globalization and and everyone getting closer today, um, it was a real amazing feeling for me as a kid. Um, I actually have a funny story. I actually found out that Steve Irwin died from World of Warcraft. I was in a trade zone i think stormwind at the time and then somebody was in trade chat and they're like rest in peace to Irwin." and i went in trade chat and i was like shut the fuck up you son of a bitch steve Irwin is fine you're being a fucking idiot and he's like no no seriously look it up online and my like 14 year old I, I had to be like actually like 16 or 17 at that mm-hmm. age or something but i i looked it up and i was like 
holy shit, he fucking died, and I just found out about it on fucking World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Like, what a shit. And, and I love that shit, man. Like, I wanted to go to school for biology and all that good stuff. It crushed me to oh. find out that he died. And of all the fucking animals to die to, the crocodile hunter <laughs> dies to a fucking stingray? stingray. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this guy would jump into, like, a, a river and wrestle a saltwater crocodile, and yet he gets got by a goddamn stingray. Unbelievable. What you know, it, it, it's, you know, that's that's part of that, that nostalgia feeling, because you look back, like, back then, I mean, there was no Twitter. There was nothing that was being broken, like, in real time. It, there was still some delay in terms of when news like that got broken and it's a fun, it, it's, I don't want to say it's funny, but I mean, it's, it's interesting that you find out, you know, playing a game with people online back in 2004, 2005. And again, people that, talking on the internet and I aming and Facebook wasn't a thing, like all that stuff was just starting to, to, to grow and playing world of Warcraft, that feeling of, you know, like I, I used to love going on and just being like, Hey, I'm going to wave to this person and see if they wave back. And then when they wave back, they like, that dude just waved at me. He could be anywhere in the world right now. Well, dude, you hear these stories about these people that have met each other in yeah. World of Warcraft, and I actually have a real world example of that. My my cousin, uh, she actually met her husband, her now husband, in World of Warcraft. Like he he was in the in in uh, Indiana or some other state out there. He's not going to listen to this, so I could fucking make it. He lives in the Shire. Uh, with Frodo, um, <laughs> but they uh, they met each other in World of Warcraft, and she flew out there, and they uh, they headed off, and they ended up getting married. They're still playing WoW today, and it's just it's crazy the way that that you know video games is able to bring people together that would have no chance of ever meeting each other in any other way. And uh, on that note, here um, I will throw it to you. Any concluding thoughts? for today's episode yeah you know just talking about gaming and how it's such a such a major part of our lives i mean i look back and my friends and i have talked about it and it's like we're gonna be that generation where adults play video games and you know when we were growing up yeah it was always kids it was a kid's toy it was nothing other than that my dad dabbled in in doom for a bit but that was the extent i ever saw him play video games he played mist but didn't get it like the rest of us uh, but we're going to be that generation that gets to do this with our children like i look forward to the day that i'm able to play sit down and play a game with my son and actually all three of my sons but my oldest is going to be first it's crazy to see how it's developed and you know it's such an awesome thing because it's 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 brought me to meet meet people not necessarily or get to know some of my friends a lot better than maybe i would have gotten to know about with them in uh, in real life yeah, agreed. And I think that this is a topic that we're going to revisit in other mm-hmm. episodes. Um, you know, technology, uh, seeing the, the change in the world that that we saw during our youth and, and the world that we live in today and, and video gaming and such. But um, it's been so much fun talking about these things today. Um, shout out to uh, my wonderful co-host, Burge the Goalie. Thanks for joining me today. That's cool. um, you can follow him at... Uh, why don't you plug your socials real quick yeah i'm uh, on twitter at, at burge the goalie um that's the best place to get a hold of me there 
Yeah, and I'm Ace. I'm Aaron Ace Chiseling. You can find me on Twitter or X at Ace in six oh three. That's Ace in New Hampshire. Um, there are dozens of us, so make sure you find the right one. Um, and then please also follow us on our podcast account. Uh, that is the uh, at Two Pad Stack Pod on Xfinity or Xfinity. Jesus on X. Uh, there's too many <laughs> X companies now. For fuck's sakes. Um, and we're also on Transistor. Um, we are on Instagram. Uh, just look us up. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap us up here today. And uh, we really look forward to next week's episode. So we will uh, we'll catch you then. Have a good week.